Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. So hello and welcome to another episode of Friends with Friends. Uh, my name's Pete Allison, here's Dave Cripp. Ahoy and also hoy. Hey. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, hey. How are you? That's all we've got time for this week. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Just on the, I'm, I'm on a sugar crash, Pete, if I'm honest. Because oh. it's my birthday on Friday, don't like to don't like to bring it up. Of course, but, you know, it was, yeah. Do shower me with best wishes, you know, yada yada. No, it's fine. I'm I'm 35. I'm too old to be celebrating my birthday. Really? Well, I wouldn't say that. I no. think you can celebrate your birthday whatever age. That's true. That is true. Turns out the main disadvantage of having like a lockdown birthday is that people still buy cakes as if you're at a sort of party. Like the birthday cake that I received, which had my, did I show it you? It has my face on it. No, I don't think I've seen that. So I'll, I'll send you a picture of it now. I'll, we'll pop it on the Instagram or something. Or FWF pod. Oh, yeah. FWF pod on the Instagram or the other socials. We've got a link tree now, actually, Pete, haven't we? Like professionals, mainly because we don't want to keep saying the old bloody, all the different socials over and over again. Oh, I've just seen the cake. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? So it's it's a picture of you that someone's printed onto icing and you have your tongue out. But that means that someone's got to eat eat your tongue. Eat a picture of your tongue. Well, this is this is kind of the problem with the whole scenario. So I've sort of bagsied the icing face bit because obviously it's going to be great. So I was like, I'll have that. But also, I mean, I, I, I'm in a bubble, Pete. I see one other human. <laughs> like, <laughs> look at the size of that, that cake is for about twenty people. Yeah. And, you know, I suspect cake places haven't started doing sort of like, you know, the Domino's do the individual pizza. <laughs> yes, which it feels quite sad. Yeah. When you order that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it feels quite sad, which is my justification for even when I'm getting one on my own, still getting a large. <laughs> I was like, yeah. an individual one seems a bit pathetic, but actually a large one meant for two people <laughs> seems Crack absolutely on. fine. So, yeah, basically all I've done this weekend is eat an inordinate amount of sugar. Oh, well, if you can't do that on your 35th birthday, then when can you? Exactly. Should we crack on and talk about the episode then? Yeah, let's do that. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's one of my favourite ones, this probably, of all time. Uh, partly sort of nostalgically, because I think it's... I think the London ones were probably the, the first ones I actually watched on TV. Okay. So it sort of holds that for me. But then also, I just think I know it really well, and there's a reason I know it really well. And it's... Can you hear this sound effect? That sounds like a, a published item. It's a book, mate. It's a book. Yeah. And a, a lot of people will have this, I'm sure. 
the official companion making friends in the UK. I really don't think a lot of people have that. <laughs> I suspect, Pete, a lot of people that listen to this podcast might. I, I, I reckon you're part of a small handful. Really? Yeah. Mm. It just seems like such a niche premise for a book. The two episode of Friends that they made in London. Let's publish a book about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a Channel 4 book, so it's obviously a, a UK publication one. But um, it's actually... Even though it's very niche, it's really good and interesting because they've obviously just chosen these two episodes because they're, you know, they stand out in a way. But what it has in it, basically, the first half of the book is the first draft script, the very first one with all That's like cool. Martin Kaufman, David Crane, Adam Chase, all their notes on it, going, "No, we can make this funnier." Oh, how about we change that? How about we do this, that, and the other? And then the second half of the book is basically the final script, as as happened. And there's loads of tidbits in the middle and. You know, the two-pager on Helen Baxendale. Boo. No one cares about that. <laughs> we're not uh, booing Helen Baxendale. Oh, no, we're booing it. Yeah, you're quite right. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. She's fine. We're booing Emily. Character wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then this book reminded me of a fact that I did know, but I'd completely forgotten entirely, that Patsy Kensett was supposed to play Emily. Really? Originally, yeah. She was cast and came out to LA and did some like read-throughs with the cast, and they were like, do you know what? It's not really working, mate. I once walked past Patsy Kensett in New York. Did you? Mm. That's good. What was she doing? Just, just walking. All right. Just, and what were you doing? Also walking. Yeah, cool. You just walked past each other, yeah? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll clip that out and put that on the Instagram, shall I? <laughs> Highlight of this week's episode. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of nice tidbits and I won't read them all out, but there are a few that I've sort of spotted along the way that I might drop in as we go along. Please bring them to our attention. Bring, well that's the first one, the Patsy Kenzo. But first Dave, who brought this episode to our attention? This episode, Peter, was brought to our attention by Georgie. Ah, Georgie. Instagram. Uh, here's the request. Hi Dave and Pete, I'm a huge fan of Fwoof. And the podcast has almost literally kept me going through the last year. It's really nice, actually. It's a really lovely message. I listen to every episode at least twice. I'm always overjoyed when a new one comes out. I'm a junior doctor and I've spent the last year working in A&E on medical wards. Oh, my God. Maternity, I know. It's been challenging, to say the least. And on a personal note, I've had to postpone my wedding twice. So all in all, it's been a bit tricky. Uh, but I've listened to Fwoof on the way to and from work almost every day. And it's allowed me to forget all the madness. And switch off. That's so nice, oh, isn't it? Oh, that is lovely. Thank you, Georgie. Thanks, Georgie. Hope you get your wedding soon. And hope it goes better than this one. Yeah, putting yourself through the ringer, picking an episode with a yeah. disastrous wedding, Georgie. Um, so I'd like to request the one with Ross's wedding part two, which is the best of the London episodes, in my opinion. Sorry to the Mac Twins. Yeah, the Mac Twins still hold the candle for the most bizarre request. The first half of a famous two-parter with all the dramas in the second half. Um, I was obsessed with these episodes when they came out uh, and and actually made my parents buy me the special of the one with the whole London wedding video, which had the three episodes, oh yeah, the first one and the next one, plus deleted scenes and behind the scenes footage, and I watched it over and over again. Do you know what? You say people won't have this book, Pete, but people have the video with just the London episodes on. Yeah, it's true. And spoiler alert, the third London episode, not even filmed in London. Oh no! So the one where the one after it, they um, there's a bit in this book. <laughs> Did I mention I've got a book? Uh, yeah, they they flew Tom Conti and Jennifer Saunders and a few of the other ones out to LA because it's just all in a hotel and all in the reception and all that, isn't it? So yeah, well, I suppose it's, it's, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> probably don't fly back to London at the start of series five. <laughs> right, let's crack into the episode, shall we? I'm excited to see what you guys make of it, Georgie. 
every British character mm. talks like Hyacinth Bouquet. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think, like, if you were to rank them, like, Jennifer Saunders and Tom Conti are doing, like, like re- it's really great and it's really funny, but it's really stereotypically what Americans think of Brits. Do you know what I mean? But the, the way that they're doing their British accent yeah. is so sort of pronounced yeah. that it actually sounds like these British people aren't even genuinely British. I know, yeah, I know. Well, uh, uh, Jennifer Saunders said apparently that she had uh, Joan Collins's voice in her head. That's who she was channeling when she was doing it. Every, and this goes for part one as well, doesn't it? Everybody sounds, like even Richard Branson sounds, I know he's doing like more of a Cockney geezer, but everyone's doing like a, this is what Brits sound like. Is he? Is that accent. what he's doing? Well, it's hard to tell, but I think that's what he's supposed to be doing a bit, isn't he? He's supposed to be doing a bit of a, you know, market salesman, London accent. But, um, yeah, it's not really his vibe, is it? Uh, and then, yeah, of course, so June Whitfield's also in it. So that's, this is the first scene, so we'll start there. And then yeah. Dame June. Dame June Whitfield. And do you know why Jennifer Saunders is in it? And probably by extension, June Whitfield, I imagine. Because, bizarrely... Ab- so is someone a fan of AbFab? Yeah, America. Right, okay. Bizarrely, AbFab was massive in America at the time, in the mid-90s. They showed reruns and... And it, like, it had this huge, I presume cult following, but still like to the point where they were all dead excited to get Jennifer Saunders on. Makes sense. Here's my first tidbit from the first draft script, Pete. There's a note on the page saying, because he says, I'll kick your ass to New Glaukenshire. And there's a note that says, should we do an alternative take with the word bum? <laughs> so they're clearly channeling British. Well, I would have like, liked that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that would have that would have been a nice nod, wouldn't it? Also, the word Glaukenshire. Yeah, I imagine that's like Gloucestershire. Kind of looks like that, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, you know, like those, uh, like Leicester. You know, all that. Yeah, yeah. American misunderstanding. Worcester. Yeah, Worcester. Yeah, exactly. It does almost look right, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and then. Wedding rehearsal again. We've talked yes, about yet before. another one of these. No. Another night before wedding meal, which involves Best Man Chandler doing a speech, presumably with worse material than the next day's effort. Yeah, it's one of... it's. There's, there's a couple of things of note in this. One, there's a deleted scene where Jennifer Saunders, because she's on the phone to Phoebe at the time, and uh, there's a deleted bit of this scene where... Uh, Phoebe says to Jennifer Saunders, uh, "Oh, what?" Jennifer Saunders says Chandler's doing the speech at the moment, and Phoebe goes, "How's it going?" And she goes, "It's like the Hindenburg disaster, only you wish you were on it." Oh Christ! I oh, know. And then they put a big question mark going. Should we take this up? But yeah, it's um, full of. It's quite a lot of actually watching this back in analysis mode, and this is the first of them. And Chandler's speech has some as well. Jokes I didn't get as a kid, particularly that are sprinkled through this. And, yeah, because I think I probably watched this when I was 12 and I did not get, I insisted on riding the tube. I mean, (laughs) so Jack thinks it's an innuendo, doesn't he? I'm just, like, what a horrendous innuendo. (laughs) If that was one, it would just be horrific. Yeah, it's not not subtle. And also, why, why would that be... The way you conversed with your son and his He doesn't he actually no, he doesn't even think it's an innuendo, does he? He thinks that that's a, a, a term for sex. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Just he thinks <laughs> that he's just arrived at his son's wedding rehearsal. Yeah. And his his wife has said, sorry, we're like we had to bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. 
And then we introduce Tom Conti and Jennifer Saunders. This is actually the problem with the book, Pete, is that a lot of our wry and witty observations are explained in in the sort of notes <laughs> right. on the script. So part of my like I'd, I'd written down something like, "How mad is it that Tom Conti goes nice to meet you and then just pulls an envelope out of his jacket and gives it yeah, to Jack Geller?" Yeah, incredibly unreasonable of him to uh, ask the Gellers to fund his his home refurb. But even if like it's it's been agreed that they will pay half the bill, it's really socially forward to, to yeah. just basically go, "Nice to meet you. Here's the Here envelope <laughs> with an, <laughs> an invoice, not like at the end of the night or post it later." Do you know what I mean? It's it's immediately there. Um, but that's because they re- they rewrote that from a script where there's a bit where Jack Geller goes, oh, let me know how much we owe. And Tom Conti goes, well, I've got to, I've actually got the accounts on me right now. You know, so they made a bit more of it. But without that explanation line, it seems a bit mad, doesn't it? It is a great Jack and Judy episode. Really? So do you know what? Great Jack and Judy episode and a really good Monica episode, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think she plays that whole sort of neglected um, sibling daughter role really well and has like gets a load of good laughs out of it you know and the whole build-up to the reveal with those two which we'll come to shortly Mm. it's it's really quite subtle like you can't really see it coming there's a bit where Chandler sort of touches her shoulder that's mildly flirty but he's sort of saying that when she's upset other than that you you really don't see it coming at it no i remember being like really surprised about that yeah well like the size of that plot twist in the context of Friends yeah. is huge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's, <laughs> there's an amazing note on the script at that point when Monica pokes her head above where someone's just written, what do Courtney and Matthew think about all this? <laughs> <laughs> As if they're like, yeah, this is big, isn't it? And it's going to change the whole... Like, we know going forward what happens and it's, it's you know, all worked out for the best. But it's, it's a bold move to make, isn't it? Without any... Oh, yeah, huge sort of foresight into how that plot line might go. The the bill for Tom Conti's house, what's his name? Yeah. Stephen Waltham. So obviously there's a lot of the back and forth, but it's still quite a mad negotiation that's going on because obviously Jack's like, I don't want to pay for his, what, built-in barbecue and his wine cellar and all this sort of stuff. But then at one point, Ross says to Tom Conti, look, I think I can get you a new lawn. As if, yeah. as if that would be like a normal thing a human would pay for. And then obviously the, the lawn ornaments addendum to that. But in what world would you go back to your dad and go, look, you don't have to pay for this, but you are buying him a new lawn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely um, outrageous. Yeah. So we get to Chandler's speech, don't we? Um, I, I mean, I didn't. I remember not knowing what a Melba toast was when I was a kid. I didn't really understand the overinflated joke when I was a kid. There's a lot going on here. And then Monty Hall, all the Monty Hall thing, there's actually a note in the script that says, will Brits get this question mark? No, <laughs> probably not. What is the Monty Hall reference? Monty Hall is an American TV presenter. Right, fine. A game show host. Yeah, they hosted a show called Let's Make a Deal. Um, which is what Chandler sort of goes, doesn't he? He goes, money hole, let's make a deal, all that. Um, but just not on my radar at all, right? No, me neither. Not on your radar either. Although, interestingly, Peter, having just Wikipedia'd Monty Hall, Monty Hall's daughter, IRL, is an actress called Joanna Gleason, who's in loads of musicals, really successful musical actor, and also played Kim in Friends. Who's Kim? Kim off of um, Rachel's Boss. Oh! Yeah? Oh, okay, yeah. That's a, that's oh, a, there you go. That's a tidbit for you there, isn't it? Yes. 
Flipping heck, so much information today. So, having watched it back, obviously, and more understanding the jokes in Chandler's speech, what a curious direction to take a best man speech in. Obscure quiz show host references. Oh, well, obscure quiz show host references and inflatable sex doll yeah. <laughs> allusions, which just doesn't... It doesn't feel... I mean, we've all been to weddings, haven't we? Chandler doesn't feel like the type of best man you'd expect that joke from. Well, you'd think that given his love of being funny or attempted to be funny, you'd think that he'd be a safe bet for a best man. So it's kind of surprising that his best man speech flops. It's really bad, isn't it? And, and I think is the joke, the joke is supposed to be right, that, that he does a lot of references that Brits won't get and that's why it's a bit shit. But like the, the sex doll thing is just a, a bad direction for a speech to go in, right? Sure. But I do really enjoy Joey's when Joey picks up and goes, I'm not, you know, good with the jokes like Chandler here. Because it's so, like, wonderfully naively supportive. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. both, he's being a good friend and being like, oh, my best pal, he's so funny, isn't he? But also, <laughs> completely, mis- yeah, completely yeah. misreading the room. Um, another, will the Brits get this question mark? It comes from Chandler's. Um, he just thanked me for my very moving performance in Titanic, you know, about the drunk old guy that thinks Monica's Ross's mum. Uh, in the original first draft of the script, it says he just... Hang on, let me get it up. There's also a lot of notes, so I'm just flicking through the book. There's a lot of really weird notes in this script that are nothing to do with the script that, like, the writers or the producers have written. Here are some examples. Um, Can we get pizza delivered to the studio, do you reckon, in England? <laughs> And then just, also, just their way of communicating. Yeah, exactly. Like be- before text messages. Yeah. Uh, and then a conversation clearly in notes where someone's gone, I hear we're huge in England. And someone underneath it's written, do you think it'll get us laid? And then someone else oh. has written, we're not that huge. <laughs> the line is originally, instead of Titanic, uh, he confused me for Brian Botana. I don't know who that is. And underneath it says, Brits won't know this. Correct. Brian Botana, it turns out, is an American figure skater, Pete. Right, yeah, niche. <laughs> Very niche, isn't it? It just also, it's, but really, it's like kind of interesting that they're really trying to cater to British audience with this whole thing because that's not a joke that's pinned on it being based in England for this episode. That's just a reference that they're thinking. Hang on, people might not understand it. Yeah, and not like a thing that they've necessarily carried through the rest of the series either, because we've have a lot of references that we as Brits don't get. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's odd that they're it's odd that they're bothered about this episode being very Brit focused, as if they're yeah. saying, "Well, the Brits will probably only watch these two episodes, <laughs> so once we get back to LA, we can just keep putting in references to Brian Botana, mm. and it doesn't matter." But yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? I wonder if this is the time when they first were like. We need to start catering to that more Other global audience. Watching, yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And then anyway, we get to the big reveal, don't we? And it is so well done because like the timing of the whole thing, for Monica to get her line out, you know, do you think you knew I was here? So quickly before the audience reaction and all of that sort of stuff. It's so well um, choreographed, isn't it? Also, you can only do one take of that. Right, like, exactly. You can only do one take of that because an audience... Once you've done it once, the audience doesn't care. Yes, exactly. Well, I presume whatever happens, they just use the first audience reaction, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated to know because so they didn't have an audience for the big cliffhanger at the end of this season, but there is an audience on it. So they've obviously just taken that from something else, but it's it's very well done, you know? Mm. But they didn't let the audience in for fear of giving away spoilers. But then apparently Elliot Gould went on Rosie O'Donnell's show and just, <laughs> just said what happens. And they all went, oh, no. Yeah, I know. Very odd. And then we're back to Rachel, aren't we? I guess we sort of flick back to Rachel a bit now. So in the meantime, she's decided to head to London. 
And agrees to spend the best part of £2,000 on a last-minute plane ticket. It's a lot of money, isn't it, that? A lot of money. $2,700 and has gone without her passport, obviously. And then sits next to Hugh Laurie on the plane. House is very good at doing a British accent, isn't he? <laughs> it's funny, that. Very good at that. Um, it's really interesting watching that scene, especially through the prism of this podcast, because Hugh Laurie is basically, on our very first guest episode, Helen Monk's basically one. Do you know what? All the friends are awful. <laughs> They're awful yes, human he beings. he calls her out, doesn't he? Yeah, he calls her out. And through that very specific prism... And it's something I don't think I clocked at the time watching it because I was like, oh, these are the characters. We like them. The, you know, we do back Rachel or whatever and we don't like Emily. But yeah, she's just, she's acting awfully, isn't she? And it does kind of take Hugh Laurie's character to point this out. But he's right that flying across the Atlantic to tell someone you love them on their wedding day is very unreasonable <laughs> behaviour. And you Dick kind Reed. of have to accept that you've missed the boat by the time you're boarding a plane. Right. Exactly, exactly. What what are you hoping to achieve here? I mean, Rachel is clearly very confident that she is going to make this declaration and the wedding will subsequently be cancelled because she doesn't even take a change of clothes. That's true. <laughs> so she's so confident. She can borrow in Emily's fact- dress. Yeah, exactly. Just she, she hasn't... She hasn't even, I mean, she hasn't really accounted for doing anything in London, clearly, if she's just in her flight clothes. But, I mean, just chuck a couple of smarts in there, eh? She's going to have time to change before the wedding, isn't she? Although she doesn't, does she? No, that's what I mean. But, I mean, she, there must have been time. Yeah. Because she arrives before everyone's there and just nip nip to the bathroom and check on something that's a bit more fancy than your sort of loungewear. Hugh Laurie saying the word Phoebes is probably one of the funniest bits of this episode for me. I do also like Phoebe... Can we leave that in, please? Sure. Phoebe Buffy. I do also like uh, Phoebe's sort of (laughs) the scenes from back in New York and how there's that moment, isn't there, at one point where she switches as soon as she realises that the burden's off her. She clarifies that the burden of responsibility for informing people that Rachel's on her way is off and she's suddenly interested in the wedding rather than panicking. And it's it's a great little bit of... uh, Phoebeing in the background yet again. Yeah, yeah. Phoebe's really funny in this episode. And I was thinking, poor old Lisa Kudrow. Just so the reason she is back there because she's pregnant is because Lisa Kudrow was pregnant, right, at the time. But like, you'd be good if you missed that trip, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like the big highlight of the whole thing. But she is really funny. All the scenes where it sort of throws back to Phoebe. It's nice that the episode is anchored back in the sort of familiar apartment that we know, and she brings those really sort of sort of normal frenzy moments you know what i mean to counter the all the on location londony stuff but she, yeah her yeah. lines are hilarious in this she's really funny her conversation with june whitfield her conversation with andrew waltham the conversation when she's on the phone you know when joey's walking up the aisle and he gets to the front he's like ross looks pretty mad let yeah. it go like, there's a lot of there's a lot of really just nice phoebe um content for want of a better word in this isn't there talking of uh walking up the aisle yeah Love that Chandler and Monica are audibly arranging a shag while walking up the aisle. <laughs> well, there's a lot going on with them walking up the aisle because do you notice that so Joey, we follow Joey right to the front, right? He sees Ross and then he stands behind Ross and holds the phone up before Monica and Chandler even enter the the, 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 the church at the back. Yeah. Like they're like wrestlers coming into Holding the arena. Phone for a while, yeah. One by one. Why is it so slow? Why are there so many gaps? It's and, just the fact that it's like it's near silent but yeah. for the music and then Chandler's like I'll come over later and we'll bang yeah <laughs> just like it was some really quiet acoustic string music yeah and, uh, yeah exactly um, they're, they're not very good at hiding it are they but 
um, presume. I mean, there's literally no other sound, like you say, at that time. Everybody's just watching the the, cere- the ceremony happen, right? Yeah. Fair play to him. Um, I mean, just before that, Rachel does get there, doesn't she? And she realizes that Hugh Laurie was right, and she is an awful human. And she she sort of goes, "I just came to tell you, congratulations." So that moment, Rachel mm. arriving and the piano accompaniment. It's really sad and touching and her congratulations really is quite heartbreaking because she's still kind of deciding which way to take it yeah. as she starts that sentence. Because she says, I just came to tell you, and then it's all hanging on what she says next. Yeah. It is actually really quite heartbreaking as she's kind of looking around and seeing all the, the can Well, seeing all the candles... A lot of draped fabric and a huge quantity of lit candles. That's what she's seeing. Seeing the big health and safety thing. She yeah. she, she bails because she thinks, do you know what? We're all going to go up in flames here. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. It's a tinderbox. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, from Ross's point of view, it's quite a weird thing for, for Rachel to do, isn't it? Because well, he's... you'd think, oh my God, that you, you would be made up, wouldn't you? Yeah, but also he's completely unaware of all this stuff going on in her head. So having refused to come to London... She just arrives and goes, "Oh, I just flew over to say congratulations." He's like, mm. "Could have just, could have just called me, mate." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely okay. fine. We do have the. Um, I've, I don't want to bring this up, guys. Every bloody other week, but Phoebe trying to get through to everybody, and she eventually gets through to Joey, doesn't she? Yeah. On the hotel phone, patched in via the switchboard or whatever. It's like classic and this might actually be accurate in the sense that we get we're getting a lot of messages from americans at the moment saying look you guys might have had texting and phones in the early 2000s but we didn't they only got texting like last year <laughs> they're still on faxes but yeah. um but we literally see in this episode that andrea waltham's got a cell phone because phoebe speaks to her on it yeah true twice <laughs> but andrea is english well exactly is that i mean surely it's not that detailed that they've gone the only characters in this that would have a mobile phone would be, a, English would be ones, the Brits yeah. Yeah. and if it is fair fair fucks to him because that is a level of detail that we've only just stumbled upon but yeah but it does go back to that thing of like Phoebe sort of chasing them all around London when we're in an era that very much has mobile phones by the way that point where they're at the restaurant for the before the wedding yeah I love that with the outdoor shots, you see that this restaurant is just next door to a Pizza Express. Yeah. Which, in fairness, in London, everything is next door to a Pizza Express. Yeah, yeah, it's very uh, accurate, isn't it? Yeah. Gives it the proper London vibes. Absolutely. Have a little uh, break and then return? Yeah. Classic uh, smooth talking into the break there. <laughs> break. <probably>. Break. <laughs> I'm Tilly Steele. And I'm Helen Monk. And this is Bitchin'. I'm dyslexic. Yeah, why do you read the Wikipedia page? <laughs> it's good to practice. Yeah. A podcast where every week we talk about a different person. So how old was he when he first popped on the scene? That's a great If question. you say he was my age, I'm gonna <laughs> fucking die. And we veer wildly off track. Pop that Prosec. <laughs> Available on all your podcast apps. That's not right. Can you not say er in the advert? (laughs) Available on all your podcast platforms. Just search Bitchin' or Great Big Owl. We'll see you there. That was all right. (laughs) Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Rachel arrives, and just before Rachel arrives... Joey's seemingly put into place some sort of like almost military operation where Monica's guarding the big hole at the back of the building. Joey's on the front door. Every, you know, everyone's in different places covering the different entrances. Yeah. What are they going to do when she arrives? It's almost like they're just going to knock her out when she arrives <laughs> and bundle her, her into the boot of the car. Yeah. I'm not sure quite what, what they're planning at this stage. Also love that while the parents are scrapping, yeah. Ross uses no grandchildren as a threat, as yeah. if Jack and Judy haven't already got a grandchild. <laughs> Pete, it's season four, nearly season five. We know Ben's about to disappear forever. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's it is funny, isn't it? I mean so weirdly that wasn't that's another one of the bits that someone's added in, in a note. And it, the fascinating thing about these first drafts is how much you go, God, imagine they just put that on TV. That would have been a bit shit because that scene just ends before with Ross going, please, it's our wedding day and everyone looking sheepish. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone's like, we need a joke here, guys. So they chuck in no grandchildren. But yeah, nobody cares about Ben. Ben, notably absent in this in this wedding of his father's, as we've noted before. Well, they're probably for the best. Uh, uh, just... Uh... He's quite annoying, isn't he? Well, he's quite annoying. And actually, from Ben's point of view, what a traumatising thing to watch your dad fuck up. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Had he been that's there, he'd have just been like, well, my main male role rod- my, my main male role model didn't stumble Could see why he found that difficult. Yeah, it was tricky, isn't it? My main male mo- role model... Oh, one, two, three, my four, dad. My, yeah, yeah, but no, but crucially, my sort of male role model in my life yeah. is an absolute shambles. Yeah. He's just like, well, I've got no future ahead of me now. I've got, I've, I've got to, I'm going to have to learn from Joey. Jennifer Saunders' outfit at the wedding is curious, isn't it? I, I kind of feel maybe it's just because us Brits love Jennifer Saunders, but I feel like, um, I feel like I could have done with a bit more of her. Yeah, I mean, she's so good, isn't she? Yeah, she. I just. I, to be honest, I could have had a whole spin-off episode with just the parents. Yeah, because as we know, we love Jack and Judy here, don't we? Absolutely. But Tom Conti and Jennifer Saunders are—they really bring a good energy to it. Tom Conti, who lives where, Dave? Leeds, Yorkshire, no. Harrogate. Harrogate. Yeah, that's good. Yep. We haven't forgotten our Leeds roots on this podcast, have we? <laughs> nope. Um, but Jennifer Saunders' outfit at the wedding is 
it's basically a funeral outfit. She's wearing all black. <laughs> that is kind of in keeping with her whole attitude of not really wanting to be there. Yes, it's a really funny moment, isn't it, where they walk in and Judy says it's like a fairy land. Then she goes, oh, God, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a really... They're not trying to disguise her her sort of villainous stepmother vibe, are they? No. Um, and then we get to the bit, don't we? The bit. The bit. And I think at the time, that part of the story, like the, the vows is such an unlikely point for a plot twist. Yeah. Like, so it, it must have really come from nowhere because the vows, you're just repeating what someone says. So <laughs> no, no, like no viewer could expect that to go wrong. Right. So you, I imagine I, I will never get the first time I watched this back. So I can't really remember how it felt at the time, but it, it you can't, you're not anticipating an error because it kind of feels like the big plot moment's been and gone because Rachel turned right. up and didn't do anything. Yeah. And you've also, in this episode, kind of been spoiled by one massive plot twist already with right. Chandler and Monica. Yeah. So the fact that you're then hit with a second is, like, huge. And like you say, it's not like a Freudian slip in the traditional sense, or it's not like any sort of thing that Ross is just messing up lines. He's literally repeating words that a man standing a foot away from him has just said. Like, it's a real fuck-up by anyone's standards, isn't it? But that's why it's so great. Did you not feel quite stressed about it, though? There's something about that moment particularly. Even though I knew exactly what was coming, I could probably recite most of this episode to you word by word. I just felt, like, a bit anxious. Well, that is is the moment. Like, that one word that he says wrong is what completely undoes the marriage, isn't it? Yeah, but it was proper, like... You know, you know, you get it, like, if you're watching, like, The British Office, and especially the British one, and the American one to a certain extent, but those cringe moments where you're almost just hiding behind a cushion, going, oh, God, that's, that's too bad. Do you know what I get that with at the moment? What? Um, every episode of Married at First Sight Australia. <laughs> where are you up to? Um, so... Rough, rough, roughly. Because I'm, I'm, I'm behind... Okay, have you have you met Billy and Susie? Billy, the sort of nice but simple one, and Susie, the like the oh the, <laughs> the one with a baby called Baby. Yes, that one. <laughs> any part of any episode that features them, yeah. I I just it's just horrific. It's such uncomfortable TV. <laughs> it's really bad because they're it? just so. It, everything goes so unfathomably wrong. They're every both time so they're shit in their own way, aren't they? <laughs> By the way, if you're listening to this in Australia, you know that series of Married at First Sight that you were watching three years ago. Yeah. That's now huge in our country. Okay, it's like uh, like ridiculously big, isn't it? Yeah, like uh, we no one gives a shit about our version of Married at First Sight in this country. No, but the, some random series of the Australian one, which I think is just possibly the most perfectly cast piece of reality TV ever. Yeah. Um, because God, they've just assembled such a group of horrible people. Um, it's uh, yeah, we're going nuts for it. Yeah, we are. It's absolutely swept swept the board here. Um, but yeah, I'm about. I've I've had I've had them for about three or four episodes now. So um, oh, that's, Dave, that's it, it's more just, to come. It gets so much worse. <laughs> I'm excited. I watched them. This is a little insight into my bleak, bleak existence at the moment. That is what we do on a Saturday night. Me and my bubble pal Gareth. Nice. We watched the entire week's worth of Married at First Sight Australia, so we're Good. always a week behind. Good. We just watched six episodes in a row. It's pretty sad, though, isn't it? 
Um, to be honest, no, it's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. But if you'd have asked me five years ago, what do you reckon you'd be doing on your Saturday nights uh, around your 35th birthday? Probably just hanging out with one friend watching a reality TV show <laughs> from Australia from four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Behind even the British broadcasts. I bet all the, I bet all the, the cast of Married at First Sight in Australia are just wondering what the fuck's happened because they're like follower counts on social media yeah. that have shot up massively and they're be- getting all this media interest all over again. Yeah, exactly. They'd moved on. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, anyway, enough on that. We're at the end of Friends now. So yeah, we've had it. We've had it. I, Ross, take the Rachel. Sorry, spoiler alert in case you haven't seen this episode yet. Um, uh, do you think this is... This is must be up there with one of the least spoilable spoilers of all time, right? It's, yeah, it's like, so. it's Luke, I yeah. am your father level of like... Yeah. You don't... Everybody knows that, even if they've never watched an episode of Friends. Yeah, I think so. But just in case you're bizarrely listening to this podcast and haven't seen that episode, I do apologise. And the way that they let it hang over mm. silence and then no post credit scene, you're just into credits. Yeah. Ugh, so great. Mwah, chef's kiss. So good, isn't it? It's so I good. would say, Dave... Okay. I would say... I'm excited. This, this feels like you're going to sort of crown this moment as like because the- of the size of the two plot twists yeah within 22 minutes which have huge implications for a sitcom that lasted like 10 years yeah i think that this is the best episode of friends wow yeah no i i it's I, th- I feel we were quick to overlook it when we were talking about the one where no one's ready. I think that in terms of like story, yeah, rather than sort of the whole the whole nice ones where they're all in there together in the same sort of yeah. set and the plot all happens within the same place. I think story wise, this is this is the the big cheese. No, it's hard. It's hard to argue with that. It is hard to argue with it. And it's- so why did it take us fucking years to get to it? <laughs> because the Mac twins yeah, sent us off okay. in the wrong direction and we had Fine. to wait for Georgie to pull us back. Well, thank you, Georgie. You've righted a wrong you really on this have. podcast. You are forever in our... What's the word? In our hearts. We're forever indebted to you. <laughs> yes, that's it. Forever in our hearts. It sounds like she's died. She's not dead. No. <laughs> uh, Georgie, thanks. We're not yeah. killing you off. Thank God she's not dead, Pete, because she's made us a quiz. From beyond the grave. (laughs) The one with Ross's wedding, part two. Question one. There are ten items mentioned. Elements of the wedding that Stephen and Andrea Waltham expected Jack and Judy to pay for. Oh my God, how many are we being asked to name? You can get a point for five correct answers and a bonus point for naming all ten. The lawn. The lawn, yeah, landscaping. Lawn, ornaments. Yes, does that count as three separate ones, you think? Yeah, probably. Wine cellar. Wine cellar, a built-in barbecue. Uh, uh, Recarpet the first floor. There we go, done it. Is that five? Shall I scroll down to the answers? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, landscaping, recarpet, yes, we've got five. That's one point. I don't think we're going to get all ten, Pete, if I'm honest, for the bonus point. The other ones we didn't get were flowers, liquor, a new guest bath. Oh, yeah, we should have got And a gazebo. Okay. That is a good first question, though, isn't it? Question two. How much is the last seat on a flight to London to leave in 30 minutes? Uh, $2,700. Yep, $2,700. Uh, 
Uh, question three. What is in the canapé that Joey says isn't food? Goat's cheese. Yeah, watercress and pancetta. Pancetta. Yeah. yeah. Really funny line, though, for some reason. I don't know why. Again, that British waiter that's in it for three goat's cheese, watercress, and for five words yeah. is the most stereotypical. I've never met an Englishman like that, have you? Water, watercress. Goat's cheese, watercress. It's like they're at the bloody royal, they're like Buckingham Palace, like a do, isn't it? Yeah. They're not. They're just at a rehearsal dinner in a rundown old place. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Question four. Uh, before Rachel arrives, who is supposed to be covering the big hole at the back of the building? I, th- I think that's Monica. It's Monica, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Monica, I'll, I'll cover the front door. You watched a big hole at the back of the building and I've got Chandler covering Ross. Yeah, that's one of those moments, isn't it, where Monica's sort of, why would I care what Chandler's doing? And question five, Pete. Mm-hmm. What is the name of Emily's bridesmaid that Joey hooks up with? Felicity. Correct. Felicity. Well, we didn't get the bonus point. Oh, oh no. bye. See you next week. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, no. It's an absolute disaster. What, what just happened to you? Well, I just kept pressing the wrong one by mistake. I was supposed to press this, but I pressed the two incorrect right, ones. Right, Just had a moment, mate. Don't worry. Uh, didn't get the bonus point, but we got five out of six, effectively, then, I guess. Well, five out of five, no bonus point. I'll take that. That'll do. Yep. Absolutely take that. Hey, Pete, what's next week? Next week, the request comes from George, mm-hmm. and it is the one with two parts, part two. Oh, right. We're on a, a part two high. Season one, episode 17. Okay. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was misreading the spreadsheet. Oh, this, well, I've got access to the spreadsheet now, haven't I? You have, so you could be you could be telling everyone what's next, but you've chosen not to, oh, which no. is fine. That was my birthday present. Thanks, Pete. You gave me two yeah. birthday presents. One was that, and one was a post on Instagram, which was genuinely lovely, actually. Thanks for all your comments. It said what on it? Uh, happy birthday day from Pete, right? No, what did it say on the picture? On the oh, on the actual picture. Yeah, that's a great question. Because there's a there's an Easter egg in that for you, Dave. Oh yes, I do. I do remember really enjoying that. It is your birthday. Which is from the office, the, yes. the American office, the See, US office. I, I know you very well. You do. It was. I really enjoyed that actually, and I just couldn't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, it is your birthday. The the Dwight Banner. Yeah. Um. Very good. But thanks for all your comments underneath that. That was very lovely. Really. And by the way, George hasn't provided a quiz, so um, Amy, quizzed Amy, summon it, it's the quiz to shine. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll see you next week, shall we? Um. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. See you there. Bye. GreatPigOwl.com Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.